Welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. Good morning, Rick. How good. are you? I'm very good, Judy. Yourself? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Boy, I got to tell you, Carlos gave us a lot to think about last week. Talk about a great conversation. And he certainly validated in my mind, and I'm sure in many of our listeners, how atypicals and neurodiverse perspective is essential to society and society's growth. But then I wondered, you know, how do you know that your perspective is right? Everybody's got one. You know, they're based on, you know, people's opinions, your lifestyle, your culture. And I think it's an important conversation for us to have. I'm thinking today we should talk about how perspective guides our decision in business, friendships and everyday life. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. It certainly does. You know, it's and, it, you know, it's different for an atypical. You know, our perspectives are, are based on our experiences. Well, you know. Yeah, so everybody's are. Yeah, but our our brain is bouncing around here and there, up and down. You know, yeah. we're squirrel, we're, you know, <laughs> like a ping pong. Yeah, ball. yeah, you know, and and you know, and but you're but you're right. Like anyone else, we have a different perspective, right. and people's perspective is really based on their experiences, how they live their life cultural pressures, and so on and so forth. So absolutely right. Yeah, you know, everybody's got a different perspective. So. Our neurological limitations also alter those perspectives, don't they? Absolutely, and that's yeah. exactly about sort of all your neurological conditions and your ability to concentrate. And I mean, you know, if one guy goes to university and another person uh, goes and works in the mill, and I mean, they're the same individual, so to speak, but obviously their experiences are going to be different. And that uh, changes their perspective. And that will change their perspective. Right. And often it's just mental survival, too. And Absolutely. And, you know, none of it's a bad thing. There's no, nothing wrong no. with all of us having different perspectives as long as we realize that. Yeah, I think that's where people get into trouble because they think that they, number one, that they're right. Oh, of course. And that's yeah. the whole thing with perspective. And nowadays it almost seems like if I think this, it, like you're, I'm, you're bound to your belief. Right. Like yeah. I believe this, I believe this, and nobody leaves any, <laughs> any room for the chance that maybe you don't know shit. That's right. Yeah. And I got to tell yeah. you, that's one thing I've learned over my life is you got to leave a little room. But, you know, it happens all the time. In fact, it happened to me the other day. I was out at, at doing some physical activity. Somebody made this comment, but you know that, you know, you need to be more polite and say thank you more often. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I thought I was a pretty normal, polite type yeah, of guy. You seem pretty polite to me. You know, and then this thing happened where someone put a, brought me a block and put it behind me and someone said, well, why didn't you say thank you? And, and this is the difference <laughs> that people under understand this brain and how it works. So I'm sitting there, you got to appreciate I'm this. I got this ADHD, OCD, anxiety-filled brain. My emotions are always going. I'm trying to sit there, listen to the instructor, getting my station organized. I'm wondering what bird flew by. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. If my phone's turned off because I know I'll get in trouble if my phone's on. I'm just thinking, what, what's for supper? And God, I did. I really locked the door of the car. Busy mind, right? You know, you know. So this is the way my brain is working. And someone asked me a question. They don't understand. Well, they maybe don't get my attention right away right but that's my world and that's how i live 
And so you didn't say thank you. And I didn't say you, thank you. And, you. and listen, for I didn't think it was a big deal. It's not like she gave me a kidney. <laughs> You know, and listen, listen, I would appreciate that very much, but you know, it is what it is. And, and, you know, and the reality is, you know, I mean, my values are good. I really do appreciate people and all that sort of stuff. But it's funny because then when people get this sense that you're not polite, it somehow determines your values. Right. I don't quite understand that myself, but right. you know. But that's the life of an atypical, isn't it? Uh, we always seem to be dealing with our shit. We always seem to disappoint, never meeting the rules of, of the establishment. I've always, I mean, I've had a horrible time with that all my life. And uh, it always seems to be someone trying to push uh, what they see as important on us. Right. You know, right. like for you, saying thank you for something like that isn't important because you're just trying I to. I didn't even it. notice. Well, yeah, exactly, because you're trying to get your shit in your head together. You know? Right, and, th and that's my constant reality. Right. You know, right, and then right. there's this thing that, you know, words matter. And I'd be the first to agree, listen, we live in this modern, civilized society, and we're always evolving. And there's, listen, there's things we may have said 100 years ago that we shouldn't say today, how right. we might categorize people, and of course. But the one thing I've learned more, I mean, through my whole career and certainly through my life, that intentions and actions matter more. And where, as an atypical, I often say the wrong thing. Oh, constantly. Yeah, yeah, because oh, I yeah. just don't get it. Yeah. And But if you know me, and you know my soul, and you know my intent, people don't even pay attention. Right. And it's those other people with their, their perspective of how things should done go, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you didn't say thank you. You didn't say thank you or what, whatever it might be. Right. You know? Really, any fool can tell you what you want to hear. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Any that's absolutely right. And you know, it's it's an interesting thing about perspective. Uh, and if I could, let me give you a story because the thing about perspective, it can change on an instant. You believe something, and God knows I've lived this my whole life. I'm diehard believe in a point of view. And so someone told me this story. <laughs> this story one day about uh, how this guy came onto a subway train in in, uh, in New York, and he had a kid with him, and the guy sat down, and his kid started just being rambunctious, throwing things around, yelling and screaming. And the guy's sitting there paying no attention. He's got his head down and he's paying no attention. And everybody in the car is going, Jesus, can't that guy control his kid? Like, yeah. what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong course, with this guy? Yeah. And everybody's disgusted. And someone finally walks over to the guy and says, sir, what's going on here? And he says, no, nah, I'm sorry. We just got back from the hospital and we lo I lost my wife and his mother. Oh, God. Perspective changed in an instant. instant. As fast as you can snap your fingers, <laughs> fingers yeah. the perception of everybody on that train changed. And that's the thing. With more information, with more experience, with whatever it might be, your perspective can change. So really, it's, it's, it's perspective is only relative to the information that you have. 100%, 100%. Yeah, and then, of course, like you said, it can change. Oh, and me, I just, you got to know, because again, being atypical and... You know, one thing I, I, I but I've got this stubbornness. I have this pig pig-headedness thing about me. And it's it's, you know, in many ways has served me well. It's made me stick to my guns. It's made me, you know, excel in, in, in many ways because right. of it. But it's also led me down the rabbit hole a few times. I can imagine. Yes. So 
first off, while I can't imagine you ever admitting to being wrong, that's just not you. I'm quite shocked. Would you perhaps have a story? Oh, I certainly do. Listen, let me let me go through my Rolodex. <laughs> I figured you would. I, I got figured, a, I know. got a few. Now remember, this is a story about when you were wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is a story okay. when I'm wrong. When my perspective was just dead wrong. Okay. So I don't hear those words It's back in my shopper's days. Okay. And Danny White. Dan the Man White. And I just start, just met each other. And, we, and Danny's director of distribution. And I'm, I'm a district manager somewhere. I don't even remember. It's, I think in different parts of Nova Scotia. Okay. And my stores are complaining that the distributor who Danny's responsible for, for working with is not supplying the inventory, that the service levels are poor. And I hear this from a number of my stores, and I'm on the bandwagon. Danny White, you better get this fixed. And Danny White's saying, there's nothing wrong. Here's the service level reports, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, well, the service level reports are obviously wrong because my stores told me this, and good for Danny because we're like, we're fighting. Like, this is serious. We're okay. not, I'm not happy. Okay. Danny says, Rick, listen, listen, why don't we go out and see some of the stores we can maybe get a better appreciation for what's going on. And if something's wrong, I'll help you fix it or I'll fix it. Right. And so off we went. And Danny also had another thing. Well, maybe it's the time for me and this guy to have a drink and sort things over over a double rum and Coke, you know. Yeah. So off we went and, and we certainly had our rum and Cokes. But we went into the stores and Danny started, okay, give me this, give me this report, give me that report. Right. And it wasn't long before Danny... It showed me that it was not the distributor's fault, that it was our stores ah. simply not managing things correctly and, and, you know, pulling out an invoice that said all shorts when, well, what they did was they ordered everything that was short in the warehouse. So it made it look like they had nothing. So I had to eat crow. Oh, wow. I would have liked to have been there for I that. I did. But you know what? I was so pigheaded. And, I, you know, people told me this is the way it was. And I bought in it to wholeheartedly. Right. And you know, one thing over at some rum and cokes, Danny explained to me, Dan, you know, Rick, just because people tell you something is so does not make it so. Right. And I got to tell you, that piece of wisdom has stuck with me for a lifetime. And it was at that moment in time, it significantly changed the way I thought about things. And no longer did I buy into that person making that fancy speech or this report that comes across the desk without validating it with people that I trust, understand the information more, just seeking out more information. So really, your perception was based on hearsay rather than fact. Well, but hearsay from credible sources, but, yeah. but, but as I perceive credible sources, right. but that doesn't make them right either. And emotion rather than logic, perhaps? Oh, maybe a little. A little and, you know, trying to strut myself yeah. and, you know, that sort of stuff. And but good for Danny. Good old play, plain old pig-headedness that you have. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> for sure. Yes. Well, good for Danny, though, to, you know, take the time to sit you down and show you. He, absolutely. And Danny, it's, I mean... We worked together after that for another 40 years. He's wow. been invaluable to me. So what I'm hearing, Rick, is that you thought you did all the right things, but you still didn't understand reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, what I would say, no, I think that in that case, it was just pigheadedness. But there are okay. certainly times that I thought I did all the right things. My perspective was, yeah. I'm going out, I'm going to do things right. I've learned from Danny. I'm right. going to go do the right things. I'm going to understand what I'm doing. So I should be good. Let me think. You have a story about I that? I have a story about that. 
I have a story about Now, it's the boat story, which we briefly mentioned before. We're not going to go through the whole boat story. We're just going to pick a piece of this. And the thing about the boat story, so we're going to take this trip across the ocean type thing. And uh, it was a long weekend in May, so the water was still frigid and all that. So being safe and wise, I went to spend all winter taking courses, boating, safety, navigation, everything you could take, I took it. Uh, You know, I'd be sitting at my desk, spent hours you know, figuring out how to navigate the charts and understand right. the charts and so on and so forth because we had bought an old fishing boat and we were going to bring it back to our home in Nova Scotia and uh, it didn't have radar or anything like that so it really had to know how to navigate. You know, we went and we set the boat up. We have got all the safety equipment on there, you know, all the supplies we needed and off we set on our journey thinking, okay, we're set. I've done everything I could do. I've got three guys with me that have some experience and we shouldn't have any problems. Well, Off we went, and it was quite a trip. We're not going to go through the details (laughs) of all the trip, but one portion of that trip, we're in a hurricane. I mean, mean, it wasn't a little hurricane, but we're going through 20-foot waves. Oh, my God. Bang. Oh, no. Scary. My crew's ready to mutiny. (laughs) I mean, they're like, yeah, they're like, okay, take, drive, like, drive the boat up on shore. We don't give a shit. (laughs) Oh, no, no. This is what's going on. And the anxiety I'm feeling, and I'm scared shitless, and they're scared shitless. And not just that. When I did the course, <laughs> I did it on a nice, level, dry desk, <laughs> you know, with my yeah. cup of tea and all this. And here I'm doing this. I'm trying Licking to. Your pencil <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now I've got every time we hit a wave, I go flying. The charts go flying. The charts are soaking wet. The pencil won't just scrapes the chart. It won't right. do anything. Right. Yet we can't lose. We have to stay on course because we don't have radar. We don't have Lorraine. We don't have anything that can help us out. And I got to tell you, talk about a change in from what I thought was reality to what right. really was reality, what my perspective was and what the reality of the situation were light years apart. Regardless of how much I prepared, how much I thought I did the right thing, right. I could never know that because I'd never been there before. Well, that makes sense. So your perception of what was required and the reality of the situation were, as you said, just light years apart. Light years apart. And, you know, not it's, it's really you don't know what you don't know. It's simply what it is. I mean, I thought one thing. I prepared for one thing, but I could have never without experience realize now you know and that probably explains why when we were leaving this leaving the dock all these fishermen were looking at us shaking their head thinking (laughs) these boys are gonna die (laughs) and it was pretty close to that (laughs) so that's my experience of like really thinking i had prepared thinking i had the right perspective of what you needed to do what i needed to do but it didn't match up with the reality of the situation whatsoever wow and scary i mean it could have cost you your life oh 100 100 percent All right. Well, were there times where other people's perspectives affected you? Oh, God, constantly. Well, listen, I got (laughs) lots of stories, but I think I think they do highlight the situation. I think it's important for other atypicals that are listening that what we talk about is it's really coming from real life as an atypical, but as an atypical became very successful. And I think that there's a lot of skills and experience in there for people to learn every day of my life as an executive, I sat there listening to other executives who believed that their perspective on every issue was the right one. Right. I mean, so that was just a reality for for many, many years. And dealing with that was a whole other experience. But I think to better explain sort of maybe that where my first encounter with that was when if I go back to university and back in university, I played soccer and I played soccer 
Well, I really only went to uni for three years, so I went for two, and I'll explain why I didn't yeah, play the third in a story. minute. Yes. That's another story. So in my first year, our coach was Leroy Washburn. Now, Leroy was the athletic director of the uh, university. He's a former Olympic athlete. Uh, he's been on many teams. He's coached many teams. He's really... And a really solid, down-to-earth type of guy, like a really nice guy. And, you know, Leroy coached the team, and we enjoyed that. And, and I'll tell you a story on the story well. is that we went to this tournament in Truro, Nova Scotia, and, you know, we, we played the tournament, and we're going into the finals the next day. We've done really well, and Leroy gives us a, a curfew. Yeah, that ain't going to work. Here's, you know, all the these young boys, all the these loose. 19, 20, 21 <laughs> yeah. year old guys out on a road trip and right. uh, bars were calling. So off we went. We ignored the curfew and and, you know, we got our bellies full and I came back to the hotel. I had a date with me. And the first person I run into in the hallway is Leroy. Now, you know, many coaches react in many ways. Right. Now, I think the look at me, though, and the look of her, Leroy just kind of shook his head, laughed and and walked away. No, he just knew there was no point. There was no point. And he, it was really, he knew his audience. I mean, he gave us a curfew and probably chuckled to himself, so they'll never keep this. Yeah, right, you know. okay, right. Anyways, we, we you know, we, and, and I really, you know, I must say, the next day I never heard anything about it either. You know, it wasn't like my time was cut or anything. Well, the rest of the team followed after me, so right, he'd, have yeah. to, he'd have to bench the whole team. Exactly, yeah. You know, but I really appreciate the way that Leroy handled that, and that was Leroy's style. So what happened? Did you win or lose? We won. Ah, we won. There you go. We won. And now, oh my God, we talked about that tournament forever. You know, I don't. You know, I think we won. I we did win, no. but nobody cared. It was right. the fun we had. Exactly. It was the relationships we built that really mattered. So the next year, Leroy is, you know, he's a busy guy, and he didn't really want to coach the team anymore, so he went out and found someone else to do. I think they were, were literally the week before practices are going to start and there's no coach. So he goes and he finds a coach, and the guy is like the trainer of the men's hockey team. He's really no coaching experience and that sort of stuff, Ray Cardis. You know, so Ray took over the team, and, and like I say, he tried hard. He had... Yeah, I could see him walking around with his books on soccer strategy and soccer skills. You know, so he, he didn't have any practical experience. No, he his, his soccer. He wasn't an athlete. No, he wasn't. No, none of those no. things. He okay. was like to say as a trainer for the hockey team, and he was probably very skilled at that. And he's been around sports, right? And that sort of stuff. And not so lucky for me, he was also the assistant dean of men's residence. Oh, did you have a little run? Well, you know, yeah, I can imagine. It was never my fault, but you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Ray takes over the team and he's very, you know, uh, he's got his approach. And, you know, Ray, unlike Leroy, who's flexible and has lots of experience, Ray is, and you can just tell, Ray is a rule follower type of guy. You know, right. he's more analytical in his approach and he approaches coaching in that manner. So we're on another road trip, but it's just at home. We go away and we come right back. And and uh, as the driver's going by my residence, which is at the top of the hill, I ask uh, Ray, I don't ask Ray, I asked the bus driver, could you pull over? Because the bus driver did it all last year, no okay. big deal. He puts right. on the brakes, I hop out with a couple other guys, and we go into our residence. Right. But Ray, for some reason, decided, no, we're not stopping the bus here. Really? Yeah. So being wrecked, uncontrolled wrecked at times, I told Ray to fuck right off. Very mature. Yes, I know, I know, I know. And uh, so we went down. Anyways, we got off the bus. Ray comes to my room the next day and he says uh, rick you're gonna have to apologize to me in front of the team or you're off the team and you said 
I said, well, then you can fuck right off again, Ray. And I was off the soccer team. But, you know, when I compare Big those shot. two things, yeah, you know, yeah. and I would have never, ever, ever have thought of saying anything like that to Lee Ray. It just would not even be in my brain, right? you right. know. But with Ray, it, it almost came natural because his approach to things brought out the worst of me while Leroy's brought out the best of me. Right. Ray needed control, and Leroy could let it roll. Right. And I learned a lot about leadership from that experience and what motivates me and so on and so forth. But more importantly, back to our conversation mm -hmm. about perspective, Ray and Leroy had tremendously different perspectives on the way that coaching should be done. Right. How to right. motivate people, how to go about things. Could I say right or wrong? I mean, I, we were certainly one that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe in certain situations, Ray's perspective would be very valuable. I don't think it was in that situation, but it is what it is. So I learned a lot. And oh, it's something good. I carry with me for a long time. Well, there you have it. Perspective. It comes in every shape and size from every angle and motivation. As an atypical and neurodiverse person, you have to know that your perspective will be different than the mainstream of society. And that's got to be okay. While at the same time, I would tell you to consider other people's points of view and to leave enough room for you to change your mind based on new information. But in the end, you need to be proud of and cling to your unique perspective. So that brings us to next week's episode, where we'll show you how looking for, how accepting and giving help is essential to your success. And Rick is really passionate on this one. So I have given him the green light to just take it to town. For more information, please visit our website, atypicalleader.com. 